Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show as we continue our discussion about fantasy, about reality. And Joe, we're uh, you know kind of in the rearview mirror here with the NFL draft a little bit. And so it was really interesting to me to see that I thought that we'd see some significant numbers mm. uh, dropping and rising based on the NFL draft. And really the idea to get some better numbers, too, in the NFL draft, according to FanDuel. But I really didn't see a lot of movement. Why do you think that is? Zero, actually. I mean, across the board, it was I thought maybe we'd get like a game here or there with some teams. But I think a lot of the unknown has really just frozen at this point. Um, The books and uh, thinking one way or the other, as you know, Greg, a, a half a game here or there. It, you know, it really makes the difference between the uh, <laughs> the books winning and the Bix paying yeah. out. So I think until they start to see at least or get a little more clarity on, hey, are we playing 16? Are we not? Are we when can they actually start practicing together? I, I think they'll move down the road. But right now there wasn't one pick that just suddenly elevated a team is certainly in the sports book size. Yeah, and, and and I want to get into this a little bit more with specific teams. Before we do that, was there any team that you felt like really changed their number based on their draft for 2020? I mean, was any player worth a half a, a win? That was the, yeah, exactly. Because the kinds of players that need, that would do make that kind of difference are usually the quarterback position and... Uh, the and the draft is funny like this too. You know this. The the NFL favors if you suck, so they basically are going to put teams that lost a lot of games aren't going to be that great. They want them to be a little bit better. And the books, when they put those numbers out, they understand that and know that the Dolphins getting Tua are the Dolphins a eight win team this year now because Tua is there. No, probably not. Nah, yeah, I don't I, think I really so. Didn't see. Um... A lot of movement, just like 20 cents here, 10 cents there. I I would say that it would be interesting for me to see what would have happened had, like, the Andre Swift gone a little bit earlier. Um, You know, maybe Judy going to a different team, how potentially that could have changed it. But it just kind of tells you that as far as the draft is concerned, there probably wasn't one impact player that at least FanDuel likes, you know. And that, that, to me, is a little bit of a change. And you would wonder... Like, for me, like, I mean, it could even be a defensive player. Like, why not move it a half right. or chase Young? But I, I suppose that wasn't the case. In the NFL, when it comes to the quarterback, I mean, that is obviously the key. And I think that everybody can just go back in their mind's eye. Right. I remember when Indianapolis before last season had their win total at 10 or 10 and a half. And then as soon as Andrew Luck retired, that thing went down to like eight, eight and a half. And so that was basically an all-pro type player, Joe, and he was only worth two wins. So what could an NFL draft player actually be? Exactly. It's such a coaching matters, quarterbacks matter. There's so many things that go into it. And, you know, the books are pretty good at when they set these numbers. <laughs> they're actually, they're, they're pretty good, and they rarely screw up within, a, like, two games or something along those lines. So 
Uh, and really, the only teams that moved from when the lines opened up to where they are now, even after the draft, um, they've only moved because of the heavy betting coming in on one side or the other at this point, not necessarily because the team made some sort of huge free agent acquisition, like Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay didn't move the line because Tom Brady went. What moved the line was the fact that everybody hammered the over uh, on the Tampa Bay because Tom Brady went there. So there really wasn't a lot of movement, even in free agency, because of the player going to the team. Yeah, and, and I think that the one interesting team to me that that always is favored toward the over, and we talked about it yesterday, you always want to lean toward the under with the Dallas right. Cowboys, although I really do like who they ended up getting. Yeah. I think that had, and, and we're going to talk about the team right now that got DeAndre Swift, but before we do that, I think, Joe, had DeAndre Swift gone to Tampa Bay, I think that you may have seen a half. I think had Swift gone to maybe one of the you know, teams that are competing for a potential NFC Championship or Super Bowl, I think that they could have gone a half or at least like 50 cents on the juice. That was really the one player that I thought, because a running back can be a game changer. And it's so ironic that a running back can be a game changer in the NFL, but they're not just, they're not very well thought of as no. it pertains to the draft. And to me, Swift was the best guy, but he ended up in a situation in Detroit, where as we talked about with uh, Jamie Eisenberg, it just seems as though the best case scenario would be him getting like 10, 15 right. carries a game, at least to start off with. Right. And, you know, you also have to take into consideration that running back rooms now also you know you, you get an extra running back and now you pair them with a couple of other running backs and all of a sudden I mean that running back crew in uh, in Detroit now that running back room is I think that's pretty good carry on Johnson and Swift now in there I, I think there's a few places uh even you know Melvin Gordon now in uh, in Detroit with uh, you start putting all of the rooms together of the running back positions you know, you can put together, like you said, an, an extra half a sure. win or win here or there. So, yeah. uh, and I think you got to look at that. But they haven't really overreacted just yet. And I think that's also because the public hasn't necessarily gone to the window just yet. Yeah, and that's a big part of, of what will happen, I would think, over the next month or so. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the Lions, I thought we would take a little bit of a deeper dive into how their numbers look for 2020. And so, Joe, we can kind of start off there. Um, you know, Lions last year, to me, were one of the more undervalued teams right. because they blew so many games. They blew six games that they were winning late in the first 10 games of the season. And so, uh, Joe, as we take a look at their number for mm -hmm. 2020, uh, their over is sitting at uh, over under is sitting at six and a half for the season. Right. And the over is minus 150. So not a ton of value there. It's almost as if if you were going to bet this, you may want to take the six yeah and and really just you know get your minus 110 minus 120 minus 150 is a lot on a futures bet uh under six and a half is plus 125 and then the unrealistic part of this whole thing of course is their odds to win the nfc at 32 to one but as i talked about joe and i'll continue to talk about you know i, I don't know how involved i'm going to get with the totals because of what happened to me last year right but as i was watching the season unfold last year. Detroit, to me, was the one team that I told myself, remind myself next year to bet the over on the Lions because it's an anomaly to blow as many leads as they did throughout the course of the season last year. Remember, Kerryon Johnson had a fumble on the one-yard line. It was right. returned all the way back for a touchdown against Kansas City. They just had some really strange endings. And what happens in the NFL is those things normalize, especially the turnovers. So for me, 
And again, we'll wait three months on this. I ain't going to get involved in this now. There's no reason for it. But what I would do is try to find a place that has a six, because in my worst case scenario, what I would do is get to six and then push. And rather than laying minus 150, I would lay like minus 110. But I would lean toward the over on a six, a six and a half, I'd probably stay away. Yeah, I, it's so, that's such a big number. I mean, got, when you think about it, that's minus 150. So what they're telling you here at this point is that if you wanted seven, like if you think they're a seven win team, you're going you're gonna to have to, you're going to have to pay for it. Um, and you're going to have to pay big for it. I, they're telling you they think the idea of maybe under seven wins isn't there. Is it a six, seven win team? I, I think they're an eight win team. You got a quarterback, you got now yeah. a couple Actually, of running I had backs. To juice backwards there. I got to correct myself on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, yeah. I, I, you should you have corrected me. I I'm sorry. Six, I let I you run. Right. Yeah, exactly. What I would do is. Because uh, you, you would go over here, no? I mean, yeah, is that what, what you're I thinking? Would do, I, let me correct myself for everyone watching. Right. What I would do is not take a six at, at minus 190. That's right. stupidity. Right. I would take a seven at even money and bet yes. the over. Go and then the, the worst case scenario to me is they get to seven wins and I get the push, and I won't be upset about that. I am not laying minus 150 on a season win. Well, I got to tell you, I've already I'm I've sold all my Packer stock. I'm not buying the Packers. It's got nightmare written all over it, right? So. Between the Packers and the Bears now in that division, are you kidding? Like, th these are two teams as dysfunctional as they get, and quarterback questions all over the place, uh, ego yeah, issues. Like Detroit. Detroit is, you know, 8-8, eight and eight, guys, with Matt Stafford, the running backs, and the additions that they made, with Matt Patricia being on the hot seat. I think this is a team that reeks of... Uh, uh, of desperation. I think more wins for them. I, I, I agree with I you. I mean, again, you go back in the history of the NFL, yep. and when you have a team that has leads late three or four times over the course of the season, right. the following year, those are going to lead to one or two more. Unless, of course, all of their wins were also ones that they came back and went late. But in this particular case, you're talking about six or seven games in the first ten that they're winning that they lose. That doesn't happen all the time in the NFL. Right. I think that flips around. I give the Lions two or three more wins on the season. I see them as at least 500, if not nine wins. I think they have a shot for the playoffs. And I got to ask, too, is this this number here, the 32 to 1, is to win the NFC. But what is the NFC? What are the odds for them to win the North, I'm wondering? They're plus 150, something like that, plus 160. Oh, okay. So it's almost, okay. So it's just above one and a half. All right. So, but yeah, I, why not Detroit? Honestly, why not Detroit here, given the state of affairs with uh, and the question marks in Minnesota as well? I, I I think it's a very undervalued team right now in a good situation to prove a lot of people wrong. Yeah, I, I kind of like them. And, and again, and two teams that had a lot of fluky losses last year. We're going to get into the next one. That's the way that I like to go the following year when I'm looking at the teams in the middle, the sixes, yes. the sevens, the eights, because I think that that stuff kind of normalizes. And on the flip side, the Chicago Bears had five uh, five games the, the year before last. That's correct. They were trailing going into the fourth, and they won. And yep. this year, instead of winning those five games, they lost five games. Yeah, exactly. They went under their win total. And so it's not sometimes about how good the team is. It's just about how lucky they were. And last year, Detroit was the unluckiest team in the NFL by far. Uh, the second most unlucky team <laughs> in the NFL last year, believe it or not, was the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona last year had leads, a lot of leads taken away from them. Now, look, part of that was the quarterback, Kyler Murray, gave it up in the second half of the season. He right. struggled a lot, threw a lot of picks in the end zone, made some big mistakes. But at the same time, their total is seven. Wow, well, that would be remarkable if they went over this year, over that seven, considering 
they were just in a rebuild a year ago with a new coach and everything else. Right, but right. Flat money here. Minus 110 on the over, minus 110 on the under, and their odds are a little bit better to win the NFC at 24 to 1. They do have a much better division, I think, than um, than Detroit does because you're going up against Seattle and you're going up against San Francisco and potentially, even though I know you hate the Rams, mm-hmm. the Rams are still like a 500 team or seven wins. You know, they're close to it. So they have a much tougher road ahead of them than Detroit does. But again, the second most unlucky team in terms of turnovers and late leads blown was Arizona. So I would tend to lean toward the over on them as well. Yeah, I, it's, I'm so torn. It's harder, though. It really is. It's so much harder because the division to me is, is impossible. You know, yeah, that, that's, that's the problem. problem. That, the problem is the division, and you're not even asking this team to be 500, really. I mean, you're, it's at even money on both sides at seven. What do you think Seattle is going to be this year? And what do you think the Rams are going to be? We know what San Francisco is, right? So it, San Francisco could take a little bit of a step back. Maybe they only win 11 games. That's right, possible. but they're a, I think they are a double-digit win team, right? And so, I think Seattle is, too. They've showed us no reason to exactly, not Exactly, exactly. So then it comes down to who do you like more, the Rams or the Cardinals? And I, I think, listen, there's a lot of tape on Kyler Murray right now. I don't know what kind of coach Cliff King – I know where he lives. I know what he looks like okay. uh, as that goes. But does having tape, much like, uh, you know, what happened to the uh, the Rams coach there – where all of a sudden the league, after a year, you weren't that innovative anymore. Everyone else caught up. I don't know what Cliff Kingsbury has for a second pitch, so to speak. And, and I think that's uh, there's a lot of unknown here. If I had to bet it today, I'd say they can win eight games. I think there's some value to the over here. Yeah. No, it's really interesting yeah. to see. And, and these early lines really are going to shift probably before the season starts. But a lot of this is predicated... I think on just simply guys being healthy going into the defense uh, too. Camp to Vance Joseph, it. I think, is the the defensive coordinator there. He's got new. He got one of the best and most dynamic players in the draft there, and Isaiah Simmons. So it'll be interesting to see how he utilizes them. That defense has got to be able to uh, get off the field, so to speak. So it'll be interesting to see. Do you see yourself getting involved in any of these before the season starts? Do you think they'll wait right up until? the beginning of the season. I'm just so, well, I mean, for a Dolphins bet last year aside, I'm so hesitant just not knowing what the NFL season would be. As an example, let's use FanDuel or even Vegas. Right. What? Who's to say that something doesn't happen with this virus again and an NFL team is not playing at home anymore? Right. Exactly. And you're putting in a futures bet of this kind on win totals, and we can use the Raiders as an example. Let's say the Raiders don't play in Oakland and they don't play in Vegas. Let's say they play in front of some empty stadium for Somewhere. six or seven games. Exactly. All of a sudden, their home field advantage is gone. You're betting over on the Raiders. You're going to regret that. So, yep. Yep. listen, I don't, I don't make bets to have to bet. And I think in the particular case of all sports, until we get clarity on all of them, I, I just don't see yep. a ton of value in laying on over down. I mean, maybe on an under, that would make a little bit more sense, but not on yes. an over on anyone. Yeah, I, to me, you, you look at last year's teams and then you try to go, all right, who do you think is going to have some positive, you know, some positive aggression here? They're going to move forward. They're at least, they got a lot of, you know, we looked at it all, all the time, right? How many games did they lose by one score? How many were their fault? How many was it just a, a weird penalty? You start going through the teams, and you start to recognize that 
they're not going to go, they're not going to lose, you know, nine games this year because by one score or less because the ball didn't bounce their way. That stuff always ends up evening out, and year to year we see it. So there are a couple of teams that had some crazy bad breaks last year that, who knows, if the ball bounces the other way just half the time, they've got themselves in at least another win on their card than they did from the year ago. Yeah, uh, I'm still scarred, though, Joe. I know. It, yeah, I had the Giants. I can't, I can't it was terrible. It. Yeah, I thought the Giants would have been better. I was banking on them, getting at least six wins, but, ugh, boy, it was ugly. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think that what my, my plan with football this year is probably to – I mean, I may be sitting out entirely on all on all futures. Yeah. I think that there's a chance of that. But I do – if there is one over, that I promised myself that I would identify it. It mm-hmm. is the lion, just based on. I'm not who, arguing with you on that. I'm really, really not. Last yep. year. Yep. Go back and look at their first seven, eight games. Right. You'll be shocked. Yep. Take a look at the fourth quarter score. They're winning in every single game, and then they end up blowing it. Yep, I agree. And that sort of stuff usually normalizes. So um, potentially we'll uh, continue to update you on all of these uh, win totals as we go. Are you uh, back we'll in Green Bay at nine, or are you are you a Green Bay uh, nine team uh, nine win kind of guy? Everyone's pounding their under. I'll just wait on that. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go the other way. Perception. Yeah, perce- it could be eight and a half before the month's over. It's true. <laughs> yep, it's true. Could have a new quarterback before the month's over. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, coming up next, it's time for us to dive into our historical stadium Ooh. tour. Also, the best players to ever play there as well. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Ranieri. We're back in just a couple of minutes. Don't forget, like and subscribe to our show, especially for those of you who are watching on demand on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Also, hit the notifications bell right there, right there below you. And then this show gets sent to you on the YouTube channel as soon as we are done with the show. Speaking of which, we got a little more to go. Don't go away. We'll be right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss Joe Ranieri here as we close out the month of April and our stadium tour continues. Hopefully we'll have some real sports back, some real fans in those stands, Joe, pretty soon as uh, as our tour has really spanned worldwide. Yes. I, mean, I would hate to have to go to high school stadiums and schools, but I mean, we may. Anything is possible. Yep, anything is possible. So um, we'll get the ball rolling here a little bit. Before we do, Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, because today we're going to be covering the Penn State Nittany Lions as our first team. Right. But I I would say that of all of the schools that we've covered in college, college Mm -hmm. football specifically, is there any one coach that's been more synonymous in the history of college sports than Joe Paterno was Mm. with Penn State? And obviously the last few years – with everything that happened with uh, Jerry Sandusky and him and 
uh, and just the nightmare that that school and those uh, four kids yep. had to go through was awful. Mm. But from a football point of view, I mean, look, Bobby Bowden with FSU, I guess, and yep. and to me, Joe Paterno with Penn State. Two names that will forever uh, live with those universities, one way or whether you have a statue up or not. Um, I think Nick Saban's in that category and certainly will be at some point, uh, you know, over the next 10 years, yeah, another kind of sure. thing, uh, same kind of category, but Paterno was, he was Penn state. I mean, that was forever. I mean, 40, 50 years. It's, um, it's crazy. And, uh, that, you know, that's also some of the fears of having a guy that's, uh, you know, looked at as a God at a school for that long. It does come with its, uh, set of risks as well. Yeah, and and really, the second he stopped coaching, I mean, the guy passed away within like a yeah. year of that. It just shows you that when so people true. say when you stop, when you're you know, at that age and you stop doing yep. your job, uh, things kind of go south. And yep. Look, I know that there's no love lost for Paterno, and certainly there shouldn't be. This guy Sandusky was just evil. Uh, but that being said, mm. at the time that Paterno was there and still a lot of Penn State fans still uh, defend Paterno. For yeah. It's a very controversial topic, nonetheless. Yep. So, all right, so uh, let, let's start off with Penn State. The Nittany Lions Beaver today, stadium. we start off with uh, their stadium opening, Beaver Stadium in 1980, and a really just big college town. A lot of people think, oh, it's Philadelphia. It's like nowhere close to Philadelphia. Like This, this is just so far out there. And, uh, and it's all college kids basically yeah. going to those games. They won two college football championships in the past. And, and Joe, it's uh, they, they've, they've kind of come back a little bit over the last few years. So I'm happy to see that. And they're opening up their offense a little bit more. And they've had no – they're no stranger to running backs. Like that is basically running back you over the last 20 years at Penn State. If they have a guy running, usually that guy does pretty well. They used to have that great defense. Mm-hmm. And now they've really moved into more of a offensive point of view. One of the few teams that have done that in the Big Ten. And a, uh, a team, too, uh, and I've never been there, but uh, we've talked to some people who have uh, been to a Penn State home game. And uh, there is a significant advantage at Beaver Stadium there for the home team. Uh, you get a whiteout going at Penn State. It's uh, right. apparently pretty It's pretty, You guys got to understand, Happy Valley, there's really nothing there. Like, there's really no reason to be there unless you go to Penn State, right? I mean, that's yeah. it. It's the only reason to be there. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Or a football game as well. And, and look, yep. they, uh, they opened up in 1980, so we're going to touch on things that happened basically since then. Um, you know, John Capaletti's name was previous to this. I wow. also want to make sure that I get his name out there. Um, yep. Also. All right, so uh, here are the best players in the history of Penn State, or at least the iconic players that – we have come up with, or I have come up with here on the show, uh, Franco Harris, no question about Franco Harris's ability, uh, was a great member of the Pittsburgh Steelers that won a bunch of Super Bowls, and not many people remember Franco Harris playing in the NFL because it has been some time. He was also part, of course, of the Immaculate Reception. Ironically, his teammate with the Pittsburgh Steelers was the best defensive player right. in the history of Penn State in Jack Ham. Both, both uh, Harris and Ham are also, uh, by the way, pro football Hall of Famers as well. Uh, Kurt Warner, who was a be- ended up being a better college player than he was a pro player. He was a third overall pick by Seattle. 
and and he was really good as a rookie, but for whatever reason, didn't have that great NFL career, Joe. And sometimes that happens with running backs in the NFL. You never really know. But Warner was a very high pick at the time for the Seahawks, and his, his career was okay, but kind of fizzled out quickly. Yeah, no, they they, they had a run of running backs over <laughs> over a stretch that was just. You know, you mentioned Franco started with Warner and, uh, you know, Larry. There's a few on this list here. But uh, honestly, we could have two pages just of running backs that came from Penn State with that went to the NFL and had decent careers. Not great careers, but certainly, you know, above average careers in the NFL. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. What do you think about their helmets, those white helmets? It's I like love the, the only, classics. only helmet in yeah. the world that's just a plain like, the Browns have a plain brown, and Notre Dame yep. you know, has theirs, but yep. that I, white helmet was always just... It ain't like, broke. You would, you would think they'd get it. annihilated being on the field, yep. bumping against other helmets, but somehow they found a way to keep those things so clean after every game. I don't understand it. I want the, the mystery. Very weird. Yeah, you're right. It's very strange. They, they were very good. But again, you got an entire town cleaning helmets and doing everything else there. Them folks live for Penn State football in Happy Valley. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm. All right, so closing out some of the offensive names, Larry Johnson, to me, will always have a soft spot in my heart because he carried me to a fantasy football championship. And by the way, he was great at yes. Penn State, too. He was just, uh, you know, All-American. I think he was the Dope Walker winner, which is the best running back in the country. Yep. He was just dominant for them and uh, brought Paterno to his final uh, Orange Bowl. That's correct. Them, uh, them coming here. Uh, LeVar Arrington was basically everything. Uh, defensive lineman, he blocked every kick, he was sacking the quarterback. He was an absolute beast there, Joe. And then the Washington Redskins took him, and I think he had a pretty good career for them as Decent. well. But yep. Absolutely. Uh, if Jack Ham was the best defensive player of all time, then maybe LeVar Arrington's number two. LeVar was, um, he was that next generation of, of linebacker and football player where uh, I'll never forget the hit that he put on Troy Aikman, which many people say ended Troy Aikman's uh, career. Um, but he was that, you know, linebackers up until that point were just, you know, they were guys, they, were, they weren't overly quick. They were like LeVar Arrington was a ridiculous, freakish athlete. He played outside. He played inside. He was that next generation of super linebacker that uh, that came out. And he, again, great. You know, had a pretty good career there for a while. Wasn't as good as everyone thought it was or was going to be. I just all, remember him blocking kicks all the he, time. He was a freak. The dude was a freak. He was, and that's it. He, even Troy's like, I remember that hit for it. was one of the last hits that uh, that Troy Aikman took uh, was from LeVar Arrington as a rookie uh, going down and hitting him before he went. He, he was trying to get out of bounds, and he didn't realize that LeVar Arrington was going to get to him before right. he got out of bounds. And that was uh, it just took his, almost took his head off. So, uh, And he was great in college. Great in college. Oh, more than the right, best. Closing this out, uh, we got uh, Kerry Collins, probably the last oh, really good quarterback at Penn State. I mean, could have been. So Kerry was uh, last. Really yeah, good no, you're right. Has there been a better one since him? No, nope, you're. Um, yeah, well, no. Blackledge was prior, right? Blackledge. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, no, that that's what the hell? Who else? I mean, you would think too. Not known for its uh, for its fantastic quarterback play. No, was Hackenberg on? on yes, yes, he was. Yep, yeah, oh, he had a pretty oh. good. Yeah, well, it's, it's bad, bro. Good point. Sorry about that. Saquon Barkley has got to go down here. Wasn't OJ? 
OJ Simpson? No, uh, Miami Dolphin. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. OJ well, McDuffie. McDuffie. He was, uh, yeah, Don't he tell was him I didn't put him on the I was going to say, man, my word. Uh, what's wrong with you? Don't tell him. Put Kurt Warner on here and not OJ. Uh, OJ, my word. He was he was great, too, in uh, at Penn State. Yeah, keep me out of that one. Yeah, I will. All right, so uh, and who do we leave off? Anyone? Ah, uh, you can go down the list. I mean, they had what, that run of running backs like Dozier, I think, Blair Thomas. I mean, they they had Shane Conlon, Shane Mike Munchak. <laughs> that was crazy, man. They had some uh, some fantastic athletes that went on to have pretty decent uh, careers too. So, uh, some good ride receivers too as well over the days. Yeah, definitely. I'll never Not forget bad. Blackledge in that uh, Georgia. Uh, championship uh, game yeah, with, with Herschel. Yeah, that was uh, and that defense of Penn State was giving up like six points all year that game too. That was crazy. All right, so that covers us for college football today. Right. I figured let's go back to college basketball but I don't know. I, I felt like I might, the homer came out in me a little bit today maybe on this one. Definitely. Definitely. But listen, there's, there's some championships. Have you ever been to Gainesville? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I saw Dave Matthews in this building here. You did? Yes. And that was how I learned there was no, um, no alcohol served on that campus. That's true. So, yes. Yeah. Never went so back. This is, yeah, this is called, <laughs> it, the nickname is is the O-Dome, and they've renovated it since. I used to, after I was done with school, I used to go over to the O-Dome and go on the top floor. Love it. And, and exercise and run around there. I don't know if you still can do that, but anyway. This was opened up in 1980. University of Florida Gators is where I went to school. And the college basketball championships, of course, there are two. They won back-to-back, -back, which is almost impossible to do now in college basketball. But most people, Joe, think of Florida as a football school, and they probably should. But when Billy Donovan was the head coach at Florida, they mm. were just as much a basketball school as they were football. People yep. seem to forget about that. The Gators had a run of winning a basketball championship, yep. football championship, and basketball championship all within the course of a year. That's yep. impressive. And they, they, they became, Billy Donovan did an amazing job there building that program up at Florida. Who had, and really, that was one of the first schools. It was always you either had football or basketball. You were rarely national championship conversations in both. It was usually one or the other. But Florida put together in the early 2000s a couple of, couple of teams on both sides there that were just ridiculous. Absolutely now, ridiculous. Now, the, the first uh, time that Florida went to the Final Four was 1994. Right, yes. Yep. And I was at school there. And mm -hmm. as we take a look at the iconic players that played uh, basketball at the University of Florida, the one from their Final Four run is right at the top. Top, there. yeah. Andrew DeClerc. I don't yep. know if you remember uh, that. Absolutely, yep. Okay, but yeah, Andrew DeClerc was like their big man. Yep. Who was okay offensively, but made a lot of like really gutty defensive plays, a lot of blocks, and was a very, very popular player. That's and, awesome. Uh, and one of my great memories from seeing games at UF there, Joe, was, uh, you know, I, I like to go to the basketball games. I thought it was fun. And uh, I get a call one time from my dad. He says, listen, you got to go to the Florida game tonight. They're playing mm -hmm. against LSU. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go check it out. What's the reason? Why should I go? He's like, well, they have this guy. His name is Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, Everyone okay. thinks he's going to be the first pick maybe in the draft. You may want to check it out. And I'll never forget how big Shaquille O'Neal was and walking right by me 
Well, yeah. At the time. Now, I got to know Shaq later on with Miami, but at that time, it was like just seeing a behemoth on the court, and um, and he blocked a couple of the clerk shots into the stands. But yes. Anyway. Yeah. No, so, he was a little intimidating when you saw him, but he was good, man. He was very respectable score, I think, there for his uh, career and his time at, uh, at UF. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, he was a good defensive player. And he, he played, what, 12 years? Something like that, 10, 12 years? And he, I, he I had a pretty decent career. I not or how he played in the yeah. NBA, but I know yeah. he played in the NBA Absolutely. for a Absolutely, for a long time. He was a journeyman kind of guy, but he, he collected, listen, being a six-man on a bench, every year. you damn straight. That's not, not wrong with that. That was good stuff. Yep. Uh, Joakim Noah, maybe the most hated player of all time in college or pro. I don't know why. I have no idea why. But people just don't like him. They don't like his attitude. Whatever. He won back-to-back championships with Florida. He was on that team with Al Horford. Oh, yes, so, that's And right. Corey Brewer. Corey Brewer, who you see here on the list, too. Corey Brewer was actually the tournament MVP. Uh, but Horford and Noah certainly were uh, you know, a big part of that. And, of course, all of those kids ended up being yeah. drafted in the first round of the NBA draft. Brewer by Minnesota. Right. Noah by the Bulls, I want to say. Uh, or the Knicks, I forget. He's a better uh, rebounder than he was. Obviously, he wasn't that great a scorer. But, man, he no, could. Uh, he got the glass. Yep. And then Al Horford, uh, who only uh, – is Al Horford still playing in the NBA? I think he may, right? Al, he yeah, playing? he's on Sixers. Yep, he's on the Sixers. Yeah, he's still playing in the NBA. Uh, Mike Miller came uh, in between their Final Four wow. and their championship. Uh, he, he actually went to the Final Four right. with uh, the sixth guy here, Udonis Haslam. They played against Michigan State, and they lost in the championship to Mateen Cleaves. And I don't think a lot of people thought Florida was that good going into it. But uh, Gators ended up producing yep. a lot of really good players and, and even some NBA players as well, Joe. Even guys mm -hmm. that didn't make this list. I mean, look, the best maybe player – out of this entire list that you saw there, and it could be Bradley Beal on the Washington Wizards, but Beal played in an era where Florida's uh, Florida was okay. They just weren't as good as they, you know, some of those other Final Four appearances. But yep. um, Beal certainly a name. That didn't comes to Jason mind. Williams go there too? Didn't he? Wasn't White Chocolate? Yeah, right. He was, I think he went to UF, if I'm not mistaken. He uh, did. Right, he was right around that early uh, 2000s. And the uh, the other guy, yeah. um, Lee, too. He played there, didn't David he? David Lee. Lee? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was. Uh, they they were yeah. Chandler Parsons, I think, was there, and yeah. Vernon Maxwell. Too. They had some. Now you're going back with Maxwell. By the way, you right. left off one name. I'm curious if right, what your on, thoughts are. Thank you. Uh, the first, well, Neil Walk was back. In oh, well, that was there. Yeah, time, right, right. But there's right. another guy. Do you remember the name Dwayne Shinsis? Why do I know that? Why is that? Was he, he original? Got in trouble with Florida for throwing like a chair. Through yes. A yes, 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 yes. Like a big yeah. seven-foot guy, white huge, guy. Huge, huge dude. Yes. He they played really uh, good when he was there. But th What years with that? That was right back in, that's right 89, around the 89. 89. It was, yep. Yeah, that was 80, right right before the 90s, right, right in the late Donovan 80s. Yep. Uh, right he, before Long Kruger, actually. And he was like 7'2 or something, yes, too. He very, was like freakishly big, large. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. First round yep. pick in the NBA, too. Yep. Wow, that's crazy. Jesus. Yeah. Also, Dan Cross was on. Uh, a lot of people don't remember his name. Yeah, Dan Cross. Cross was one of the key players on right. uh, Craig Brown was on, on the original Final Four team for Florida. Okay. Uh, See we'll that? When it wasn't homerish at all. Not, not at all. We got through it without me saying go Gators once. Well, there, I just did it. <laughs> we'll be right back with more here on Fantasy Sports today. You'll be surprised with some stats we're going to throw at you next. It has nothing to do with sports, it has everything to do with you sitting at home and choosing 
what you should do, believe it or not. Love the it. numbers are up in a big way on something. We'll tell you next level. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Fish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show as we got you every day, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. And certainly we will close out the week in style and start a new month of May. Hopefully some good news to bring to you in May as well. Now, before we get into the things that I think that a lot of you guys are doing at home, I got to get something off my chest here. This has been bothering me all day. So a week ago, a little bit over a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, I reach out to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Okay. And I ask them what the status is for their ceremony coming up in July, the induction weekend. And representative uh, calls me, and then another one emails me, giving me this whole big, long statement about how uh, they're going to go on with it, and as far as we know, everything is good, and I'm putting the whole thing out. And then today they canceled the, or yesterday they canceled the uh, induction ceremony. So I sent it. I sent an email back to the representative that sent me this response, just like, "Hey, like, I mean, maybe you should have like tipped me off here a little bit right. to let me know that this was happening." After all, I am the one that reached out to you in the first place, and I got no response, which is crazy. Very sad. That's just. You think maybe because they didn't know or just that they uh, they didn't care to actually... I mean, it's a little embarrassing for me to say right. that it's going to happen. Right. And then I'm not the one to report that it's not. Now and nobody's going to believe that, that you obviously called. this is the right decision. <laughs> but at the time, I asked and I was told it's yeah. still happening. Right. And then within a week later, I, I look, I get it. It's the right thing to do to say that, right. it's, that you should postpone it. Totally right. Or cancel whatever the terminology they're going to use for it. But you would think that the reporter that called you, that you gave this information to, that you told that it's still going to happen, at the point that you make the decision that it's not, to tell them, and even more so, I emailed saying, hey, like, what's the deal here, and not even get a response? Weak, man. Just curious, the time between you made the call and post and, and wrote about it to the time that it actually got canceled? It was like uh, a week, maybe two. Wow. Jeez. No notification. They don't even call you back. That's crazy. I mean, it, it, it's also maybe not their job to tell me right. that they're going to cancel it. But I did email as well after after the story came out on Wednesday that they were considering doing it. I just sent an email. Hey, like about this. Can we talk? Right. No, no, no Crickets, huh? That's amazing. What a shock. And you know that just didn't happen overnight. So... But like, why? Why even? I, why even tell me in the first place? Just say undecided. Yeah, they're undecided right now. That's different than, as far as we know, everything's going according to plan. All right, well, that's two totally different things. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I, I mean, look. In the end, I don't think a lot of people are going to look back and say, "Oh, Craigish, right. what an idiot," even though they do anyway. But for this particular one, I don't think that they would say that because, again, things change and right. you know, due to the nature of the country, that's fine as well. Right. But 
It just does bother me a little bit from a reporting standpoint, because I know that if I was in those shoes, the first thing that I would do is say, hey, I gave you a response that makes you kind of look bad at this point. Just want to explain our, our thought process right. through this when it does come out that we're canceling the event. But instead, I just get bupkis. Who do you think makes that call, though? Is Major League Baseball part of that at all? Or? Uh, no. Um, it, or it's think, its own committee. I think I, her name is Jane Forbes Clark. She's very well thought of. Um, and, and so she's the final uh, She's the final say on, on what happened. I, yeah, I wasn't board, sure. She said baseball. the board of directors has decided the class of 2020 will be inducted and 2020 award winners will be uh, next summer. Makes sense, 2021. Okay. Right. Uh, but the quote is the statement, induction weekend is a celebration of our national pastime and its greatest legends. And while we're disappointed to cancel this incredibly special event, the overriding concern is health and the well-being of our new inductees, Hall of Fame members. Uh, said Jane Forbes Clark, who's the chairman of the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum. And I'm a totally on board right. uh, with this. But when I reached out, I was told that they're going to do it. And this was a week ago. So and just send me an email just saying, hey, changed our mind. And by the way, you could even send me an email and say, hey, don't report this. But we're going to change our mind, and you know, here's what uh, that to me that. exactly that to me would have been the proper thing to do. But even if you don't, I can live with it. Right. But then if I send you an email saying, "Hey, what happened?" At that point, you got to respond to me. You would think. You send me a response and say, "Hey, like," and may and maybe by the time uh, the weekend's over, or even by, you know, late tonight or tomorrow, I'll get a response. But probably not. They're watching yeah. this at yeah. all, but that's probably, it. Does bother. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I, listen, they could have handled that so much better in so many different ways. What was the day it was scheduled for? When was it? The late July. Late July. Okay. So it was even late this year. I remember it used to being in June. So, yeah, and they made the right decision. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. They don't have to consult with me. But they could have done it virtually. They could have done a lot of different things, but that's fine. Whatever. No, they don't. Yeah, they said that they want, you know, look, they want people there. All yeah, right. It's, the other part, too, uh, Joe, is Derek Jeter in New York, and it's going to be... Quality point there. Yep, good point. That's a, that's a big ticket grabber right there. They're not going to lose out yeah. on that. Yeah. So, on to a more positive story, and something <laughs> that I will be doing as soon as the show is over. Okay. Is the idea of what people are doing during the pandemic. Ooh. And it would not be shocking to know, Joe, that a lot of people who are not working like us, because unfortunately in this country, a lot of people have been laid off or furloughed. Absolutely. And all of my respect goes to those people, and also my respect to those first responders and the medical people out there as well. Uh, but what are the folks doing who are just basically sitting at home? Uh, they're consuming a lot of alcohol. Really? And the numbers are pretty staggering. Oh, no. When you look at them. Oh, no. And we have those numbers. Oh, no. Oh, my word. Look at this. So Anheuser-Busch, since March, their sales are up 44%. Wow. The biggest number that they've had in years as far as sales go. Miller Lite is up between 14 and 17%. They don't mm -hmm. have an exact number. They're waiting for a couple for us to drink a couple beers before the end of the show. And then they'll put it at 15%. Michelob Ultra is also between 14 to 17%. Wow. Modelo was up seven, and Miller High Life was up seven as well. Miller High Life, I love it. Look at this. Now, now, 
this does make sense. I'm sure that a lot of people are. I, I don't have any wine numbers here. If I had wine numbers, I could throw those into the equation. But unfortunately, I do not. Mm. But I would ask you, Joe, do you feel do you feel, though, that by the time that this comes out, this country will have produced 44 percent more alcoholics than previously imagined? Because uh, I am a little concerned that when this is all said and done and people are forced or not forced, but people are going back to work, they may have to. Wean themselves off, off the uh, a little the worried about that. Yeah, it's crazy too. And I know when you look at these numbers and you're like, "Wow, Anheuser Busch, what is that Budweiser?" But but yes, and I've been to that uh, that plant. I took the behind the scenes tour in St. Louis when uh, when I was there to the uh, to the Anheuser Busch plant there, and it's way more. I mean, 44 percent. If it was just Budweiser, I'd be like, "You got to be kidding me, right?" But they own. 30, 40 labels of beer that you didn't even realize they own, they do. So collectively, all of the, uh, all of the brands that Anheuser-Busch does have and does provide, uh, you're talking craft beers, you're talking a whole lot of stuff going on there right now. That's almost a, you know, close to 50% increase from what they used to. That's a ton of beer, man. A ton of beer right now. And, and, what it, and, and Joe, I don't know, I'm not a big uh, beer drinker. I, you know, for some reason I've never been, even in college, I was never, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, if I had the preference, right. I w- would go for like a mixed drink of some kind. Right. And you would think that because I'm such a big baseball fan, that baseball and right. beer would go hand in hand with me. And for whatever reason, I don't know. I just never, I never really got into it. Like a lot of other people, like I know, but right. I suppose like for me, it would ironically be like a Corona or a Heineken. Easy enough. Sure to classic. It's usually the direction that I would go. But yep. Joe, when you are at a bar or just hanging out, what direction do you go with that sort of stuff? I know you haven't had you I mean, for most people, they have a lot of time on their hands during right. the pandemic. It's the opposite of Joe. Yeah, I mean, I Joe is basically producing the beer as opposed to drinking. <laughs> I wish I had the opportunity to kick back and wow. But I would do uh I I, I really got into the craft beer. Uh, world there over uh, the last, uh, you know, five to 10 years here. So, and especially down in the South Florida where we are, you know, there's no shortage of craft breweries, Funky Buddha. I mean, you can go to, you know, Saltwater, you can go across the, um, and I found it was much easier um, when you're drinking nine and 10% craft beers versus the, you know, the three or 4% of the Michelob's or Anheuser-Busch's. So, you know, all of a sudden, two or three craft beers, yep, you yep, put you exactly where you need to be, and everyone uh, works out, and you don't feel like, you know, you're drinking yourself into oblivion. So so you haven't been able to take advantage of any of these numbers at all? Zero. Zero. Oh, yeah, no. I did play a little, um, I, I told you, I played a little um, uh, cornhole over the weekend and, and pounded a few uh, Coronas, I believe, there. I w- that was good. And that's another thing. Some of this beer, some beers you just can't drink in the sun, like when it's 90 degrees here. Like you got to have those very light beers uh, because if you start drinking Guinness in July in Miami. Yeah, that's a, that's a fact. Yeah, it's just, you know, you feel like you, you, you know. Emulsion? Yeah, oh, you, you can't. Canadian, nice. But no, you can't. It's, uh, you know, there's a, a time of year for certain beers. That's for sure. Much like wine. It's the same thing. Less snobby. Yeah, see, see, my wife has the wine going here. Right, okay. So, you know, it's usually at the end of the day, glass of wine. It's not every day for her. But for me, like, I'll have a sip or two, mm. but, you know, I don't know. I just, 
I'm more of a social guy, I think, than I am a social drinker. Yeah, drinker. right. Yeah, exactly. And you got to be a certain you. You know, wine I've always paired better with food. I think certain foods. You know what I mean? I, I enjoy their beer is much more of a social. You know, you're out. What are you going to drink? Well, all right. It depends on what kind of mood I'm in. It's uh, I'll start at Jack right. Daniels and work my way back. Uh, but yes, um, I would think certain steaks, certain, you know, when you're out to eat some things along those lines, I would probably choose um, certainly wine over beer at the table. Now, we, we discussed this also last week, but you wouldn't be that surprised to know that the numbers are also in from uh, the month of March and even into April okay. in Arizona. Okay. And all across the country, the CBD and medical marijuana distilleries are also up about 10% mm. in terms of sales. And like I told you the other day, Joe, uh, I don't get out very much and I don't drive what? very much. But when I am and I drive by any of these places and where we live in Florida now, medical marijuana is legal. We got them, yep. I, the, I mean, I don't see lines of people, but I see cars not even like away, like not even parked in the parking lot like parked on the side of the road right and yep. it, it leads me to believe a lot of these people are just waiting to get in and so when you don't have sports and you don't have work and your kids are just sitting at home doing work all day long essentially asking you for help which kind of is, is the way it is it's like the homeschooling everybody i talk to is going through the same thing right it should also not come as a surprise that anything to give yourself a little bit of a break at the end of the day or the end of the night is on it's the welcome. menu. And yes. uh, in Arizona in particular, the numbers are up very, very much. Does <laughs> so. not surprise me. Not in the least bit. And it's two different worlds, too, because that whole CBD oil, that market has just gone crazy. But the, it, people associate them both with, you know, like, oh, it's their weed stores. Like, no, it's it's all the benefits of weed without the weed, basically. Right. It's, uh, it's all the... The good stuff, great for, you know, anti-inflammatories and those kinds of things. And people swear by it. Absolutely love it. And the lines will be out around corners when you pass by these oil stores. It's yeah, crazy. it's true. I, I, yeah. I, and I think that what I'm speaking of are the medical marijuana distilleries. Actually. Yes. Yeah. Those because are I, just. Uh, I'm, I'm not even familiar with the whole CBD thing. Like, I yeah. don't even get that whole thing. I'm yeah. not really, I, I'm not really sure what it is or, or, or what's going on with that. I know that, like. People Even with seizures, anti-inflammatory. I mean, it's it's a very calming. People swear by it uh, for as that standpoint. It just doesn't give you the medical marijuana aspect of it. So yeah, doesn't put you in. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm not going to be eating uh, three bags of uh, Doritos. No, that's not it. No. And, and by the, and by the way, as we as we close <laughs> out today, is there a snack of choice that that has kept you going through? Through this period of time? Yeah. Um, I've always been a salt guy. So any, uh, uh, yeah, always a chip guy. What's so. your chip of choice, Joe? Oh, I has got to go. I do like the uh, the Cape Cods, but I'm going to go with the classic Lay's in the yellow bag, the white yellow bag there. It's probably because it's the most saltiest thing that you could find what in the world. What about Pringles? Pringles, not bad. Got to be the sour cream and onion flavor, though. Got to go with uh, that. I've been, I've been eating a lot of Pringles. Pr can't go wrong with Pringles. Yeah, they, yeah. they make them in these little snack things, too, that you can rip off. So they're good, too. Otherwise, yeah, you, yeah. For some reason, I, I've never carton. really been hugely into Pringles. But mm. for some reason, during this time, the, yeah, you know, you gotta, I, yep. I get a big, a big thing. And then in, like, three or four days, it's just 
don't yeah, know what that one's gone. You can't just eat one, though. That's another problem with that's, those two. Yeah, that's how they keep it going. Yeah, they tell you Doritos, too. It's like, oh, boy. It's just, you know, keep it away. Not a chocolate guy. I know a lot of people dive into chocolate. I, that's not... I wouldn't reach for a piece of chocolate first. That's for sure. I'd reach for a Dorito before that. All right. Well, we covered a lot of food on And now show. I'm starving, so that's good. That's great. A lot of food, yep. a lot of drinking. A lot of drinking, a lot of wine, a lot of... Uh, a lot of if you had to do a shot right now and I offered you, what kind of shot would you do? Uh, probably captain. All right, he's going to go rum. Yeah. All right, you're going to go captain. Very nice. I like that, yeah, actually. Yeah. I think so. I think that's the direction. Yep. Go. Tequila. Got to go. You didn't hear me say Jaeger. No, go Jaeger bomb? You want to start doing Jaeger? No, 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 no cough syrup for me. June, no cough syrup for me. Yeah. I'm just going to go tequila and call it a night. <laughs> Sounds fair. We're going to call this show uh, a morning or a yes, day. That'll do correct. it for our show here. That'll that's do right. it for the month of April. Thank Star. you guys so much, by the way, for all of you who continue to watch mm. all of our shows here on Sports Grid. It really is appreciated. Uh, we're doing this show certainly uh, as our livelihood, but also doing it to kind of keep you guys from uh, from going insane. I know it's been a tough month for all of mm -hmm. us, but good things are coming ahead. I can feel it. The month of May is here. And it's going to be bringing us back to sports, bringing us back to real life. We've just got to hang in there for a couple more weeks. And I feel like there is light at the end of the tunnel for Ooh. sure. For my co-host, Joe Ranieri, I'm Craig Mish. We'll be right back here tomorrow. We'll have Gray Albright on the show. And that will, of course, get really wacky. And Mr. Take you Parsnips. Into... Nice. <laughs> That'll take you into the weekend. So uh, thanks again for watching. Really oh. appreciate it. Make sure you catch Pharrell Coast to Coast later on today. For Joe, I'm Craig. Have a great day, everybody. See you. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.